I'm really excited. I'm, uh, and, and I want to tell you why, okay? I want to tell you how I got there, and especially this week, the journey God's had me on this week. And then I also want you to be excited, so um, I want to say here's how you can be excited, okay? So, so flip over in your Bible to um, Psalm chapter 63. Psalm chapter 63. Psalm 63, very familiar passage. I think we've all been here. We feel like we've been here, done that for sure. It says, O God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul, the spiritual part of my being, thirsts for you. I'm I'm hungry, I'm thirsty spiritually. I want you, God. My flesh, physical side of me, it's tired. It faints for you. I'm spent trying to serve you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Pardon me as I struggle through this. I can feel it coming, you know. God was very clear with me, and the elders can confirm this, uh, that our theme should be wait. That was a year ago. We never really got onto that. God has uh, been clear with me again. <laughs> This week, that waiting hasn't gone away and that it's still a thing. And so if you see me waiting a couple times during this message, then great. You understand that I'm applying what God's teaching me. And I think what God's teaching us. Okay? Clear? Okay, we're going to wait on him today. I'm going to go at his speed. I don't care how long this takes uh, or how many years, (laughs) weeks, months uh, it takes to get through this. But we're going to get through it. The first point I want to share with you from verse 1 is desire God's presence. Now I know there's times in your life where you've desired God's presence more and you've desired God's presence less because that's true of me. We're human. But I'm telling you the first step in this being excited about our new future, this, this why I'm excited and this how you can be excited is desire God's presence. I want to be in the presence of God, not just when I come to church, but every second of every day. I want to feel him flowing through me. I want to feel him working in me, completing in me a good work. I want to be desperate for that. And there's times I'm not, and there's times you're not. But man, if I don't read this verse and get cranked up to be like this, Something's wrong with me spiritually, and probably something's wrong with me physically too. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I'm having a really hard time getting excited about God today, that's okay. Let this verse convict you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't let it condemn you. That's Satan talking. Let it convict you, all right? 
I want to desire God's presence. And we want to seek God personally. We have to seek him personally before we can seek him corporately. Because when we gather the living stones, it's all of us together doing it, encouraging one another. So we have to seek him personally first. And that starts with desiring God's presence. Let me read the rest of it here. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because of your steadfast love, it is better than life. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Come on now. Why do we lift our hands in worship? Ever wonder? Ever think about it? I just thought it'd be cool. Maybe I could receive the Holy Spirit. Maybe it just gets me closer to God. He says here, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. When we start to recount the goodness of God, we can't help but praise Him and worship Him. I can't help but surrender to Him or just lift him high, I can't help but get my hands up. I can't help but get my whole body going because I'm excited about what God's doing in and through me. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. We've done some of that this Christmas. It was pretty fun. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in, my, in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. Are you letting that sink in? I had to pause this week and just let this sink in. Here's the second thing. Remember God's power. Sometimes we forget how powerful God is, that He can heal our illnesses. That He can redeem us from our own sin. That He can resurrect dead. That's power. Sometimes we forget what we've read in the Old Testament That God chose a people and that He guided them through a wilderness and that He split a Red Sea. And that walls from a city fell down when they walked around it. That's crazy. Sometimes we forget that when we accepted Christ, that day we accepted Christ, that that was a miracle. And that we need to go back to that and go, what happened, God? How did you open my eyes to see it and how did you give me the faith to receive it? And so I want to remember God's power. I think back and have some favorite memories of the last several years. You guys have any? Somebody? Go ahead. Participate in the message. Who's got a good uh, memory from the last uh, eight years? Yell it out. 
Awesome. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Yeah. Praise the Lord, right? Come on. Yeah. Praise the Lord, the church. What else? We have personal memories. We're talking about seeking God personally, right? Yeah. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. It's our key verse for the year. Listen. So, but also corporately, right? In the last eight years, God's done some things in this church. I've been here the whole time. I don't know if you have or not or how long you've been, but man, like God's had us on a journey and it's been cool. It's been hard as it would be doing God's work. But it's been good. And so here's just a couple things I wrote down. Uh, I really want to celebrate and remember God's power in committed people, right? So many people have committed their lives to Christ here, committed themselves to worshiping and walking and working in Christ, and it's been faithful and awesome. Um, Then salvation. I mean, we used to pray for new birth, and I still pray for new birth, And we need to pray for new birth because that's what we need, right? That's what Rochester needs. They need salvation in Jesus' name. And so, but that's been one of the highlights of the last eight years for me is just seeing people come to know Christ and their life radically changed and and being baptized. That's the next thing. I mean, 336 people uh, over the last several years and then several more this year. And just like, that's crazy. Can you, that is mind-blowing, Can you imagine the fruit that God's given us for our labor? And I feel like the last two years we've tried to bury our head and be like almost ashamed of who we are as a church. And I just like, I'm so done with that. I'm just so done with that. I'm I'm grateful uh, for the fellowship that we've had and discipling other people. Um, You know, discipled Matt Nicola for six years. That was so fun. And now uh, discipling other people and, and let's do it. And let's have longevity in it. And let's go for it. Um, and this last thing, just answered prayer. Did you know that every one of you is an answer to prayer? I sat in my living room. There was four people in my brother's house, which is now my house now, praying, God, create a church by your grace in the city. We're a church. We're committed to one another. We're a family of believers in Jesus Christ. That's an answer to prayer. And God continues to answer prayer on and on and on. So remember God's promise. I thought maybe the best way to give glory to God, because that's really what he's doing, he's praising the Lord, is just to recount our last baptism service. So go ahead and watch this video.
This is what God's been doing in our church for the last eight plus years. And I am astounded. This is a marvelous work that God is doing. And it's astounding to me. And uh, just faithfully grateful to to serve him again today. All right, this last thing. Verse 8. Just look at verse 8. My, remember, seeking God personally, my soul clings to you. My spirit, my soul, the part of me that's going to heaven someday by God's grace, that's going to live forever in eternity, the part that's connecting to you, Holy Spirit, it clings to you. Don't let go. Your right hand upholds me. The strong hand of God lifts me up. Here's here's the, the point. Trust God's plan. You can read the next three verses and it gets there to the king and all that stuff, but like the point is trust God's plan. I mean, sometimes when it goes well, you're like, this is awesome. And sometimes when it goes poorly, you're like, what are you doing, God? We need to good, bad, ugly, it doesn't matter. Whatever God's doing, he's a good God. We're his chosen people. We need to trust God's plan. And so I've really enjoyed getting into this passage this week. It was kind of a roundabout way. I also got into Psalm 71 and and several other passages just the Holy Spirit led me to. And you can read those things. Uh, I I shared with you a couple passages at the end. Psalm 3 and 4, Psalm 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. I would love for you to read those passages this week. There's seven of them. Just read them one a day. They're real short and they'll really encourage you. And uh, I was on that track this week. So, hey, Seek God personally, church. You know what? That'll get you excited. Okay? That'll get you excited. If you desire God's presence, when you remember God's power and you trust God's plan, you'll start to get excited again about the things God's doing. And so here I want to get to the next point, which is seek God together. Seek God together. So this is where it becomes corporate, where we're a church. Harvest Bible Chapel. Right? We've changed it recently. I don't know if you saw that or not. It was pretty subtle to Harvest Rochester, but we've always been Harvest Bible Chapel. I just want to recount for you our story. I think it'll help you understand the context. Some of you are new. Even this year, you're like, what are you even talking about? I don't even get it. Like, yep, I'm giving you eight years and a whole lifetime for me, okay? Here's the story. Um, I grew up in Rochester. I love Rochester. Not just because I grew up in it, because God's called me here. I grew up in Rochester, I grew up in the church. That's a great thing to grow up in the church. It's also a hard thing, because it can kind of mess you up at times, right? Because you kind of get self-righteous and like, I'm good, I'm better than most people. And so you got to just be careful of that. And we still have to be careful of that, even though we know the grace of God. And I uh, was in a couple of traumatic things as a church. Um, when I was six years old, or sixth grade, um, I was in a church and school, and, and the church split. And uh, you know what? I was on the other side of the aisle for my best friend, and we were ripped apart. And I was like, on church, right? And I was like, I don't like church. Church just takes friends away. And then I went to a different church, and I met my future wife, and things were hunky-dory. And it, you know, it's like I had new friends, and it was great, and God provided in so many miraculous ways. And then... My youth pastor decided he wanted to have an affair and run off with his 
girlfriend and left his wife and kid. And I'm like, what is going on? What's wrong with the church? Well, here's what you need to know. Leadership's under attack. You pray for your leaders, man. They're getting pounded like a nail by Satan. And if you're here and you're excited, you're getting pounded too. Satan will try as much as he can to derail you from God's grace and God's glory. <clears throat> Got through that, but I was like, strike two, down on the church, right? And you know what happened? Here's what happened. I was 16 years old. I was a basketball tournament. And a guy was preaching the gospel about Jesus. And I'm like, I Jesus, me, Jesus, I know Jesus. I've known him all my life. I don't even remember the first time I heard about Jesus. Um, Mrs. Armour's classroom, maybe? I always knew Jesus. And you know what? It was a different Jesus. <laughs> it was a Jesus that was personal, intimate, and it was for me. It was a Jesus that was like, you know what? You got some stuff wrong. I love you, but I love you enough to tell you you're a sinner. I love you enough to tell you that you're a sinner and you need me to save you. And I was convicted of my sin, particular pride and pornography. And I was laid flat that day in Jesus' name. If you had that experience, people, because if you had that experience, it means something. And it changes you. <clears throat> and here's how it changed me. I was down on the church. Strike one, strike two, just looking for strike three. I'm out. 18, I'm leaving. I'm going to be the president of the United States. I'm going to do something else. I don't, I don't want anything to do with the church. church. All these plans to be in political science and whatnot. All right. And God saved me that day. And you know what? He called me. He said something I've never heard before. Love and lead the people of Rochester. I don't know why he said it. He cut off the I'm going to Africa thought with his own words. Love and lead the people of Rochester. I don't know what it means. But that's what he said. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so I've been trying to follow that for the rest of my life, and I don't even know what it means sometimes. I'm just like, well, maybe it means plant a church. Well, maybe it means lead people. I don't know what it means. Just trying to be faithful to God's call. And God called me. And so we struggled through that, and we were here at our home church in Rochester, and uh, you know what? It was, it was rough, because <laughs> living in sin still and trying to get it all right. And uh, it took several years, but I saw God change um, us through it all. And uh, here's how. My sister, my oldest sister, Cheryl, uh, started to go to this church called Harvest Bible Chapel. They plant churches. It was the first church they planted, and she started going to that church. And so, awesome. I was like, good for you. I like churches. I'm a pastor. But something was different about her. She'd come back and she'd say, what's God doing in your life? How can I pray for you? We'd be in spiritual deep conversations, and I would be awoke to a God who is living. Not just a God who you check the box and go to church. A God who is a living, active, flourishing, vibrant, vertical, glory-filled God. I'm like, I gotta get some of that. So we went to Harvest. One time. Never heard preaching like that. Life, application, transformational preaching. You're gonna change this week. <laughs> Never saw worship like that. Worship in spirit and in truth. Not just head worship, but heart worship. All body, full body, all in worship. And I never saw people fellowship and pray over one another like they did. 
and it changed me that day. And that day, Kimberly and myself, we had a choice to make. Do we quit, leave our church, go to Chicago, get in a good church? (laughs) Or what do we do? And we made the choice, right or wrong, well, I'll look back on it later. By God's providence, we made the choice to pray this prayer. God, change my heart and change my church. Would you commit to praying that prayer? Because if God changes your heart, he'll change this church. Somewhere along the line, I stopped praying that prayer. I'm not going to stop anymore. I'm going to pray that again. God, change my heart and change my church. Right? And we started praying that prayer. And it wouldn't take too long before God was changing our hearts. And we were really alive in Jesus Christ. But we realized we weren't in a live church. And so we moved And we moved again, and uh, there's so many things I could tell about this story, but I saw God change my sister's life and wanted to grow in Christ as well. So it took several years, but God refined us. And in 2010, we went to church planting school at Harvest Bible Fellowship. In 2011, we planted Harvest Bible Chapel Rochester. We were one of uh, 180 churches, 160 churches, somewhere in there. There's a lot of churches that were planted. And we were the 77th. And we grew. And Harvest Bible Fellowship was a sweet time. A lot of good pastor connections. In June 2017, James McDonald, who was the president of our fellowship, the first church pastor and planter, resigned from the fellowship and the fellowship collapsed. Uh, I've been grieving that ever since. Not very well. <laughs> I think I might be through it now. <clears throat> As I preach this message, I think this is helping too. I think changing the name will help. I've watched so many messages this week of my fellow brothers that were in the fellowship that changed their name. And um, I'm grateful for them and and the way they they spoke and and how I learned from it. But one thing I don't want to do as we go forward, I'm not trying to convince you that I'm right or that we have a good name or any of that. I'm I'm not selling you anything today. Do you know that? Jesus is Jesus. Accept him, reject him. I'm not selling you anything. And uh, I, I just, that's one thing that as I watch all these, I'm like, it seems like we're just selling something. There's nothing to sell here. We're a church. That's a biblical thing. We need a name so that we can go out into the community and say, this is who God is and this is what we're all about. And Harvest Bible Chapel was that name for a long time. And as James resigned and as we've gone through the last two years, which have been really hard, Last two years, we've struggled in our leadership team, um, staff and elders, in our identity, and we've sought the Lord together, uh, and we've really, really, really tried to just be as diligent as possible to seek His face. And this message, this transformation that's happening today in me and in us, I think that's all coming out of that, right? That's two years of hard work. That's hours and hours and hours and hours. That's traveling to Dallas and Chicago and all over the planet, right? Why? Just to do the right thing right here. That's all we want to do. Just to do the right thing right here. And so here we are. Harvest Bible Chapel. It's the last time. I'm going to call you that. I pray. (laughs) I'll probably slip. We're going to be a different church. It's the same church. I'll, over the next few weeks, give you our mission, vision, values again. And, you know, we've 
made them a little better. By God's grace, we've learned some things in the last eight years. But not much is changing other than we have a fresh start and we have a new name and we have a God who's awesome and we're going to serve him with every ounce of energy that we have left. All right, the new name. Not trying to sell it to you, not convincing you. The new name is Lift Church, all right? And some of you guys knew that already, but others of you are hearing that for the first time. Hey, take your time. It took me a while. (laughs) There's so many names, so many good biblical names. There's so many really bad names. But the name we've chosen, the leadership team has chosen, is Lift Church. And uh, I'm going to say a few words about it. I think it's very important to kind of paint you a picture of why we chose that name. Um, Why a new name? Um, we want to have a new identity, and this is our identity now. Lift Church in Jesus Christ's name. Lift up the name of Jesus. Lift Church is a place where we lift high the name of Jesus, and we live in fellowship together. You may never, ever hear this again, but that's an acrostic. Live in fellowship together. Lift. I'll probably never say that again, right? But that's what God gave me, right? We're not going to be called by that, known by that, anything like that. It's just this phrase. Lift Church is a place where we lift high the name of Jesus and we live in fellowship together because we're family. All right. Also, we have a clear vision. Over the last eight years, God's honed and, and, and really sharpened us and we have a really clear vision of where we want to go and I'll be sharing with that with you over the next couple weeks. We just flat out, I need a fresh start. I don't want to go somewhere else and get a fresh start. I want to get a fresh start here. We need a fresh start. So we're going to be Lift Church. We're leaving the old thing behind. It was a good thing, but it's an old thing now. God's doing a new thing. And we're going to be Lift Church going forward. So let me get into the Word of God a little bit on Lift Church. So um, let me say this. I have read... Every verse in the Bible that has the word lift in it, some of them are relevant, some of them are like, ooh, (laughs) ew, yeah. Um, 223 verses, uh, sometimes mentioned more than once in a verse, lift in the Bible. It's biblical. It's a biblical name. Um, It means something to us because it's vertical. It gives us the vertical language, it gives us the vertical philosophy, it gives us the vertical, we want to be a vertical church. I read Vertical Church, the book, I believe in that, and, and you know what? We're going to continue to be that because I think it's a biblical thing. No, I don't think, I know it's a biblical thing. That being said, since I've been all over these scriptures, I want to share with you a danger. Anybody like warnings? No. Do you like the warning light on your dash before your uh, car blows up? I do, right? Do you like the warning before you do something stupid? Like, hey, don't do that. You're going to blow out your Achilles. Okay, you know. I like to be warned. So I'm giving you a warning, church. Right now I'm giving you a warning. Warning, danger. Lift does not mean pride. There's several times in the Bible it uses lift in a way that is like we lift ourselves up in an inappropriate way. It's pride and it's wrong. So the Bible warns us of that. These are some verses if you want to write them down. Deuteronomy 8.14. You can read the context around it. Deuteronomy 17.20. 2 Kings 
14.10. Jeremiah, that'll scare you. Uh, 13.26 and Nahum 3.5 say basically the same thing. All of Again, thanks for bearing with me. I know many of you have been sick too, and it's just hard to speak for 40 minutes without coughing, sneezing, blowing. Hosea 13.6, I'm going to quote it for you. Maybe sums it up. But when they had grazed, they became full. They were filled with the wrong thing. And their heart, their heart was lifted up. Not in a positive sense. Therefore they forgot me. If we forget God, this is all for naught. Take the word pride, write it there, circle it, and throw a huge line through it. Lift does not mean proud. Oh, I go to Lift Church! It's more, it's more better than every other church in town. It's, it's awesome. Lift. And I think sometimes when we were harvest, we had that kind of thought process in our head. Oh, we're better than them. We're better than them. We're distinct. We're different. We have some vertical values that maybe other churches don't. Otherwise, I wouldn't have planted this church. But I don't think I'm better than anybody else. And I don't think we're better as a church than anybody else. I think God loves his people. We can be clear about that as we start a new thing. Pride has to go. It has to be rooted out in my life daily. It needs to be rooted out in this church weekly. People wonder why I preach repent, repent, repent. So hard to hear. I'm like, because I'm proud. Because I need to hear it. Because I need the gospel again today. And yet we need to preach God is good. Right? And he gives us grace. And there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, walk out of here with your head lifted high because he's lifting it, not because you're pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. All right, then this. Most passages in the Old Testament and some in the New uh, exhort us. There's a warning, but there's an exhortation to be humbly dependent on God. Write that down. Humbly dependent on God. That's Lift Church. Humbly dependent on God. There's so many passages I want to go to. For sake of time, I need to save them. But I'll give you this one that I wrote down. Psalm 147.6. Just to prove my point. The Lord lifts up the humble. Who lifts us? The Lord lifts up the humble. So what's our job? Get low. Be humble. I'm going to exhort you to do that in a couple minutes. We're going to have a time of prayer together to launch this church this way. Dependence. I'm asking us, church, to get low as we start a new thing. I'm asking us to get on our knees if we need to, get on our face if we're willing to, get with other people and confess sin if need be. I'm asking us to pray out loud, desperate prayers. I'm going to give you seven things here that God says in His Word, encourages us, exhorts us to lift up. Here's the first thing, and I'm going to give you some references with it, but I'm going to go really quick because I only got a couple minutes because I want to pray. And I think we should pray. 
Here's my question to you before I do this. Does God have your attention right now? I mean, are you fully engaged right now? Are you seeking him personally so that we can seek him corporately? Because if we're not seeking him, if we're not dependent on his presence, if we're not seeing his power, if we're not trusting his plan, we're going nowhere. So does God have your full attention? Because he has mine. And he needs to have ours. And I'm trying desperately to get all of us on the same page right now. Okay? So, in humble dependence to God, we need to lift up our heads. Lift up your head, Psalm 3, 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. There is no glory in you apart from God. God is glory. He reflects his glory through you. He's the lifter of your head. So as you walk out, lift up your head. Let him like put that under your head and just like lift that right up. All right, second, lift up your eyes. Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? I just read it in the King James, didn't I? My help is from the Lord who made heaven and earth in the heavens. That's why we lift up our eyes. Not to see the bright lights or the wood paneling or the brick. We lift up our eyes because we're like, God's there. God's enthroned in heaven. Isaiah 6. If you want to get a picture of God, go to Isaiah 6. That'll lift your eyes. <clears throat> this third one, <clears throat> lift up your hands. I exhorted you to do that earlier. Even as you're praying, would I, could I just ask you men, lift up your hands in prayer. Ask God to do something today. Lift up your hands Psalm 134.2, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. And then uh, Lamentations 3.41, let us lift up our hearts and hands to the God in heaven. This middle one, lift up your soul. Psalm 86.4 says, gladden your, the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. And then Psalm 143.8 says, let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love. That's why we go to the Word, right? To hear in the morning. For in you I trust. Trust your plan. Make me know the way I should go. For to you I lift up my soul. Alright, and then this. Lift up your voice. I'm going to exhort you right now. We only have a few minutes left. Uh, I'm going to exhort you to lift up your voice in prayer. <coughs> Whether you're on your face or standing tall with head raised high, hands raised high, lift up your voice. Isaiah 24, 14. <coughs> I'll let you read it. In Luke 17, 13. <clears throat> and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How desperate. These were the lepers. And you remember one out of ten came back and what did he do? With a loud voice he praised the Lord. 
Let's be that tenth. Let's be the one out of ten that comes back and is like, you know, I lifted up my voice because I was desperate, but once you healed me, once you saved me, now I'm all in and I'm like, I'm bringing some energy, God, because I know who you are. You healed me. You saved me. Then this, lift up your prayer. That's what I'm exhorting you to do right now. Psalm 141.2. Let my people, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I will not sacrifice to God what costs me nothing. If you came to church with nothing to give, then you got nothing to offer, that's fine. Then just sit, right? But if you came with some energy today and you have something to give to the Lord, I'm going to ask you to give a sacrifice to the Lord in your prayers and you're lifting up your voice in prayer, okay? <coughs> and then Nehemiah chapter 6, 8. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen and amen, lifting up their hands. Now, I used to be confused by this last part. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord and their faces to the ground. Okay, how do you do that exactly? <laughs> Bow, knees, head to the ground, lift up your hands. I don't know how to do that. Right? I, I mean, like this verse is so confusing to me. They lift up their hands, and when you lift up your face and you meet the gaze of an amazing God, you hit the floor. When you really see God for who he is, and you really know who you are, you hit the floor. I'm asking us, church, let's start lifting Jesus high by hitting our knees in prayer right now, all right? So I'm going to give you five minutes. That's all you got. And I'm asking you, right? This is your time. You participate in the message. This is Lift Church now. We're flipping a switch. How's Lift Church going to respond to Jesus Christ? And I understand there's people here that are visiting, and you might not be comfortable, and I get it. It's okay. There's no judgment. We're not judging you. Just we're going to do this, all right, for Jesus Christ. All right, let's pray.